Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I am Brian Kiley, joined by my co-host, Senior Pastor Lance Hahn. And on today's episode, we will be discussing recent comments by television personality Laura Ingram, who told basketball star LeBron James that he should just, quote, shut up and dribble after he made comments that were critical of uh, Miss Ingram's political views. We're going to talk about that sentiment where public figures are often told what they should and should not talk about. We're going to talk about how we often tend to respond to ideas we don't like by simply trying to shut them down instead of engaging them. More importantly, we're going to think through how can we as Christians be better at engaging with ideas we don't like and how can we respond in a healthy and Christ-honoring manner. All that and more on this episode of the Engaging Culture Podcast. Well, hello, welcome to season one, episode 20 of the Engaging Culture Podcast. Like I said, I'm Brian Kiley, joined by Mr. Lance Hahn. Hello, Pastor Brian <laughs> Kiley. Uh, I have a quick question for you, and yes. that is, when do we actually enter into season two? That is a... <laughs> Go ahead. I was going to say, that's a great question. I think when we hit the one year mark, okay, so, which oh, is coming good. up. I think. I was going to say, I feel like we've been doing this a year. A lo- not quite. We're, okay. I think we're almost there. All like, right. And I think wimpy podcasters, they do a certain number of episodes and then take a break for a while. Yes. We just keep barreling through. You got to keep driving through. Every two weeks-ish. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was listening to a podcast the other day where the host said, we publish every day except for the days we don't publish. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> that is excellent. So anyway, uh, hey, you're doing good. Coming off a holiday weekend, uh, you were away. Had a good had a good time. Hopefully yeah. some rest and refreshment. Man, it was one of those kind of family reunion things where you get everybody from all over the place. My sister turned 50 years old. Wow. All right. So that was uh, that was a milestone. So we all thought we would come in from different states and hang out together, and it was super good. Oh, so yeah, we came off. Although. I'm working on so many different projects, I still work the majority of the entire weekend. So I really did not take off very much time in my mind. But I did take some, so there we go. All right, you took off some. We'll, yeah, we'll still had a great time. Uh, we'll take that. Okay, good. Now, uh, mo- more importantly, are you watching the Olympics? Have you been paying attention to the Olympics? Okay, so normally I do not pay attention to Winter Olympics. I normally, our whole family is like Summer Olympics people. Like we, I mean, we watch those uh, pretty faithfully. Mm-hmm. This year, I've been watching a ton. I've been watching it almost, touching every day. Until the day you started talking about it, you were like, "Hey, did you see it last night?" <laughs> did you see night? this cool thing last and night? <laughs> then, no, I didn't, which was total bummer. Um, but I have been—I found out my new favorite uh, winter sport. My What's new that? favorite winter sport is the snowboard motocross. Yes, it is my new favorite <laughs> sport. I was like, "This is awesome! This is like racing, jumping, knocking into each other, going fast." Big air. I mean, it was like, it's so crazy. Oh, it's the best. I'm bummed they don't have more rounds of it. I'm completely with you. It is my absolute favorite sport in the Winter Olympics. It is so exciting and compelling to watch. <laughs> well, when you start out and when when people just, you do a nine-foot drop, so they open the gate, you drop nine feet, and then try to hurry up and get your game started. When people don't even get out of the gate, like there was someone yeah. that was just stuck there, and then they have to hop up. <laughs> You've given your whole... This, 
See, here's here. I'll say this though. Here's why I would never want to compete in that event or be like very emotionally invested in a competitor, like have them be someone close to me or whatever. Yes. Is because there is so much randomness that has oh, nothing just... to do with your skill, and it's like you're the best in the world, and boom, you just went down, and it's over. Like, yes. And uh, then uh, when I first watched it, one of the first races I happened to catch was um, only two guys got to the end of the hill without crashing. Yeah. And one of the other guys, the only reason he came in third was out of hope beyond hope. <laughs> he hopped up and literally just said, you know what, forget it. I have to finish the race at some point. And so from that, he ends up getting third in the qualifying yeah. match. No, I watched that I watched that race. That You're right. Crazy. It's like okay, you you made it. So Yes, and then we I'm really getting into the half pipe. Here's what I noticed that is different about the snowboarding half pipe. Yep. I don't really like the skiing tricks as much as I mm-hmm. like the snowboarding tricks because mm-hmm. they can do kind of different cooler stuff. Um is that I find that I am way more of a parent now than I ever was. When I watched the X Games, like as a younger man, I was just waiting for people to crash. That was like my favorite. And Susie and I are sitting on our bed watching these young people, and we're nervous for them the entire time. We're like, oh, please land it. Please land it. We, I mean, we just want them to be okay, you know? Right. Um, oh, yeah. But I will tell you that Sean White, right? So Sean White's 31 yep. uh, now coming in, and I know that everybody makes a big deal about him. Here's the one thing that I thought was most fascinating about him. So there was a guy that was giving him a run for his money, yep. that Ben something. It wasn't Roethlisberger because that would be a quarterback. <laughs> that would be a different sport. Of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, anyway, Ben comes up and does this incredible run, and it was so big, big air and all this different stuff and all these tricks. And then Sean White came on. And it was like men among boys in one respect. Uh, Just chill attitude. He is so smooth, and it feels like he's been doing it his whole life, which he has. But as a 31-year-old, he has three decades, it seems like, of doing this. His relaxed posture and how he would do these crazy—everyone else would do similar tricks, but they look tense. Mm -hmm. He looks so smooth and mellow. It just made everything look different. So I I was so impressed. Until he finished his run and then threw his helmet into the crowd and immediately said, oh, wait, I need that back. Yeah, that that was was pretty funny. <laughs> but no, I'm with you. It's been fun. I think those half pipers are, are, are half pipers. I'm sure that is not that's what they're not called. A thing. These half pipe athletes are unbelievable, and it's it's lots of fun. So anyway, I hope you all have been enjoying the Olympics. It's uh, I was by the way, I was harassed. My wife got both of my kids on her side, and they were ganging up on me last night because I totally respect the talent, but I'm not into ice dancing. Sorry, I'm just not. My I wife can't do it had my six year old and my four year old telling me, "Daddy, you can never say ice dancing is boring." After they're showing me all these tricks and it's like again i totally respect the talent great for them sorry it's just not my thing no it's just I can't, not I can't, it's just not my thing so, i can't do it anyway. having a dance competition in the olympic there's certain things that i'm just going i don't get it yeah i don't yeah. okay here's the we're, other we're thing. just uncultured is, i guess now, okay now i'm about to say something <laughs> super uncultured and my wife always beats me up about it and here's the deal in the gymnastics in the summer olympics Whenever they do their little move, their hands around and kind of float and hop around, yep. drives me crazy. Yeah, I'm like, get back to it. <laughs> and she goes, honey, what are, are they supposed to constantly do that? How are they humanly supposed to have all that energy? And I'm like, I don't care. I don't want to see you jump around and float around for five minutes. Just do your flips. Just do, do your, your jumps. Flips. And let's go. Yes. Well, and here's the funny thing. And 
we're going to get to an actual serious conversation yes. here in a minute. But so my wife was a collegiate gymnast. So she's been in the gymnastics world forever. And as kind of by proxy, I've gotten into that world as well. And it's funny because you look at like the floor exercise in gymnastics. Yep. yep. It the women's version. There's tons of flips, tumbling, all that stuff. But there's some artistry to it. There's Absolutely. music. There's dancing, and there's all of this other stuff. Yes. Well, they have, and and forgive the expression, but they have. You look at men's gymnastics. It is fully masculinized. It is just <laughs> flips. There's no music. There's no dancing. It's just rough and tumble. You know, whatever. I love it. And we're watching <laughs> men's figure skating the other night, and I say to my wife, "Boy, they really like took all the artistry out of." Men's gymnastics on the floor exercise, they really made no effort to do that with men's Oh, no, they poured skating. it all in. <laughs> Everything that was taken out of men's gymnastics yeah, no, was it's, poured it's, into It's all still there. Men's, but yes. They're still amazing athletes and, and huge respect, and it's been lots of fun. So uh, not the only sports thing going on right now, and this leads into the conversation that we're going to have today. This last weekend was NBA All-Star Weekend, which, as a huge basketball fan, I enjoyed immensely. But there was a big story that came out kind of right before All-Star Weekend and then kind of affected conversations throughout the weekend. And man, this struck a nerve with me. And it struck a nerve with me not because of my opinion of the issues involved. Uh, and, I, and I think it's important for our listeners to know, man, I totally have opinions on the issues involved. But that's not the point. It struck a nerve because of what somebody was to- how somebody was told that they shouldn't be talking about a certain issue. And here's here's the story. I'm going to sum it up yeah, as briefly as I can, quoting directly as much as I can. So, basketball superstar LeBron James made a video with another superstar Kevin Durant and then an ESPN personality for a program called The Interrupted and or The Uninterrupted. I don't have that in front of me. Now that's embarrassing. Anyway, whatever. He made a video <laughs> And in the video, he was critical of, uninterrupted, there it is, he was critical of President Trump. And he said, the number one job in America is someone who doesn't understand people and really doesn't give a bleep about people, James said. It's not even a surprise when he says something. It's like laughable. It's laughable and it's scary. And LeBron has been a critic of the president for for a bit now. So then a personality on Fox News, named Laura Ingram, responded and said this. She said, must they run their mouths like that? Unfortunately, a lot of kids and some adults take these ignorant comments seriously. Look, there might be a cautionary lesson in LeBron for kids. This is what happens when you attempt to leave high school a year early and join the NBA. And it's always unwise to seek political advice from someone who gets paid $100 million a year to bounce a ball. Oh, and LeBron and Kevin, you're great players, but no one voted for you. Millions elected Trump to be their coach, so keep the political commentary to yourself, or as someone once said, shut up and dribble. So this ignited a big firestorm where she was telling this these athletes to, quote, shut up and dribble. Something, by the way, she's done with other uh, public figures in the past. She told, I think it was Danny DeVito, to shut up and act. She's told others to shut up and sing. So this is sort of her MO when they express ideas that she doesn't like. And LeBron went on to say uh, that he kind of laughed when he first saw it. 
Uh, he said for her to say that was was totally inappropriate. And then he went on to say uh, that to be an African-American kid and grow up in the inner city with a single parent mother, not be financially stable, and to be where I am today, I think I've defeated the odds. I want every kid to know that. And I want everybody to, and this is what's so huge, I want everybody to know that the youth can do it as well. That's why I won't shut up and dribble. I mean too much to my two boys here, their best friend here, my daughter at home, my wife, my family, and all these other kids who look to me for inspiration, who are trying to find find a way out and find some leeway on how they can become great as how, how they can become as great as they can be, how their dreams can become a reality. And actually it was funny. He went on to thank her for creating more awareness. (laughs) Basically you've taken people that don't normally pay attention to me and caused them to pay attention to me. So, so thank you for that. The big deal though, of course, was again, shut up and dribble your gut reaction to a television personality telling an athlete and using that language to stifle what an athlete had to had to say. Yeah, okay. So, uh, I mean, if we're going to go gut reaction, instantly I was offended and I was angry about it. Um, but um, let, me, let me be honest because I, I want to be very transparent. I have been on both sides of this issue in my own mind in one way or another. I think the difference is in the nuance, okay? Mm-hmm. So, for example... Um, I, I have commented publicly many times about how I think it is very absurd for, um, like talk shows, um, to have on guests that are artists Mm -hmm. and have them talk about foreign policy and have them talk, that kind of stuff bugs me because what ends up happening is you're asking an American citizen just, well, what do you think? But it's not said that way. It's actually said, and now this superstar what do they think? And that's how it really is. Okay, so mm-hmm. if someone is invited in and said and, and kind of given the platform as if they are an expert in an area, mm-hmm. I find that a little odd, mm-hmm. right? Because so uh, is is Alec Baldwin the actor? Uh, does does he know more than everybody else? Sure. Uh, and you kind of go, okay, is that really what we should be doing? Now the difference with that is they're being brought in. As an alleged expert. Okay, mm-hmm. so I have been on that side, which is a little bit of the Ingram side of things, mm-hmm. right? Which is like, whoa, 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 hold on. This is not your area of expertise. Yeah. So hang on. I think it's yeah. important to clarify that because I think that is an important point. So so the general point is, is you're saying that we tend to take somebody who is highly competent in one area, whether yes. it's basketball or acting or singing or, or whatever, and because of their competence in that particular area, we then sort of give them perhaps more space than would make sense to speak into areas outside of their area of expertise. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so I have, I have publicly yeah. you know, joked about that. Yeah. And went, wow, why in the world? Like, it'd be nice to have to give a little bit more airtime to somebody that that that's their field of expertise. Yeah. Like, right. Why do we care what so and so thinks about this thing? No, I, I more yeah. or less agree so with that. I've actually done that. <laughs> yeah. And so I wanted to be fair. Now, having said that, um, I got to flip on the other side. Um, I was super offended by what she said because it was the stifling and the stifling was only because she disagreed with it yep. is it everything's cool as long as everybody agrees with you. Right. Yep. The idea of, man, you're a hero for saying something versus you're a problem for saying something all depends on what side you're on. Yeah. And that, that makes me so I don't like the lack of justice in that, the mm-hmm. unfairness where um, Christians will go. Man, I love when Tebow, Tim yep. Tebow, will promote Jesus Christ in his after thing interview. 
but yeah. I don't want it when LeBron James and Kevin Durant are going to talk about an African American issue or the president. Yeah, that that drives me nuts. You go, whoa, 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 hold on, you called one a hero, one a problem, but it's only because you didn't agree with their opinions. Yeah. So that kind of st- that's what immediately stirred in my spirit. And the other thing that really got me was that we keep saying things like, uh, "I can't believe." Dennis Rodman did this because he's supposed to be a role model. Now, you can't have it both ways because either it does matter what they say or it doesn't matter what they say. So mm-hmm. LeBron James said, I'm a dad. I'm an American. You keep telling me I'm a role model. Mm-hmm. So as a matter of fact, in, as opposed to me just making millions of dollars and bouncing a ball, you have said I have now been placed by American society into a place where I'm to bring healthy change yeah okay so i'm trying to do that (laughs) and you're all over my case again do you want me to just have like everybody else try to just be selfish about my own interests or should i be parlaying this power and influence into something that really doesn't benefit me directly that's the part that you know and and of course i'm going off in a million areas but one of the things i do want to highlight in case we don't get to it later This is not making their lives easier. When Colin Kaepernick did his thing, when a bunch of different people did their thing, Mm -hmm. it actually doesn't make their lives easier in sports. Yeah, It complicates things. A lot of them end up either losing their job or they get made fun of or whatever. If they did just shut up and play their sport, they'd get more money in their pocket. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that gets mixed up with other people that just... They try to get in the limelight by talking about a sensitive issue just so they can get more press. Right. And anyway, it gets really messy. So there's there's a there's certainly an important difference there. And I, I want to go back to a point you made a minute ago because 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 this is where, especially for Christ followers, I think from a character and integrity standpoint, we have to recognize we can't have it both ways. Right. Um, some of so for example, and this you know people might not like this, but it's pretty obviously the truth. Uh, some people that clamor the loudest for religious liberty are as anti-Muslim as you will find. <laughs> Absolutely, right. it's I mean that, that that is a fact beyond debate. There are so many people that are loud and screaming and yelling for religious liberty and want to see the rights of Muslims restricted. You cannot have it both ways. You can. what, what that is is you're saying no, no. I want my people and my yes. belief system to be given preferential treatment. Now, as a Christ follower, what I want is for the ideas of Christianity, for the reality of the gospel. I want it to have its space on an even playing field in the in sort of the public square, and I want it to win on the basis of its merits. Right. I want to see Muslims come to know Jesus. I want to see atheists come to know Jesus. I want to see people of different views come to know Jesus, not because my side is getting preferential treatment, but because my side is true and my side is good and my side is just and my side is is, is all of the things that the gospel is. But too often what we have is we have people who only uh, who only want their side to win. So so the point you made a minute ago about Tebow versus maybe some other athletes is is critically important. It's like and I you know I, mean, I go to sporting events all the time and this just drives me crazy when you've got total homers when it comes to referees. Right? Oh yeah! Went to a high school football game this fall, and the guy sitting behind me just oh just drove me nuts. That every and we're rooting for the same team. Like every call that went for the team we were rooting for, he's like, oh finally you got one right. And then like these very like detailed calls would be impossible to see from where we were. He just I mean it was like you got to be kidding me. You don't know what you're talking about. And Laura Ingram basically did that 
in her segment. Absolutely. You know, this is somebody, th- th- I mean, this is somebody who has celebrated, you know, uh, other athletes for their conservative views. And again, you can't have it both ways. Now, here's, a, I'm going to ask you a question that I have an answer for, but I want to hear your, okay. your answer. So I, I think you and I are in agreement that for her to say shut up and dribble is inappropriate. What could she have said to respond to LeBron James, to argue against him that would have been appropriate in your mind? Uh, wow. Um, it's funny. I'm, usually I don't get caught off guard. That's, <laughs> I, I don't know if I necessarily thought about that one. I guess the way that I would look at it is because here's the deal. I, I, I understand what Laura Ingram considers her job to be. Her job is not to find truth. Her job is to push her point. So I'm not quite sure how she should have done what she believes is her job well, because I don't think she was ever trying to be fair. I don't think like I, I don't I'm not quite sure what her job is. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know to what degree she should have. She can comment on the issues. I think she could have said, you know, wow, it's it's ironic that now LeBron James thinks that he's an expert on the president. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, something like that. I, mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with her making such a damning statement towards you close your mouth if you're against me yeah. and then an insult of you didn't even finish high school, which, which is not, up, which that's not true, not true, <laughs> but, but she was, that was trying to be an insulting thing. Right. So, so attacking somebody, shutting down their ability to speak into important issues and then insulting them. And it, it, it's just, it was a very odd. So I felt like the whole demeanor. And like I said, the reason why it's a hard question for me is I don't even know what she was trying to do. Yeah. If she was looking for truth, there's a million responses she could have done. Yeah. But that's not really what she does. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? Yeah. No, I, I think that... Um, it was wrong. What she did was wrong to me for the reasons we've discussed. I mean, very obviously hypocritical, very obviously, <clears throat> obviously reflective of, of a you know, bias and, and everything else. But I would have zero problem with her engaging the argument that it was being made. Totally. Okay, you're going to say that that the president doesn't care about people. Here is some evidence to suggest Otherwise, yeah, right. You're going to say that uh, because of the president, things are not good for for the African American community. Here is some evidence to the contrary. Now, I have. I'll just put my cards on the table. Whether it's Laura Ingram or Sean Hannity or Rush Limbaugh or Rachel Maddow. Sorry, I don't have more examples on the left. I just honestly don't know who they are. I don't pay attention to these people for the most part. Right. I do not trust them to describe what is actually going on in a fair and honest manner. That's my point. Uh, and and. I don't think Christians should like whatever side that's you're on. Point. Like that's not their point. Understand you're not being told the truth by them, but if they can, if they can somehow <laughs> engage in rejoinders in the sense that they're responding to an argument and they're responding in an honest way and responding to it in a way where they would say, okay, if the script was flipped here, I would at least accept this as an honest argument. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with her trying to defend the president. No, I think that would be great. Based on reality. Yes, as I bump into my microphone here. Uh, but when it's just, no, no, you shouldn't be talking about that. Why don't you just shut up? That, that's a problem for me. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that trying to shame somebody into a corner always bothers me, yeah. right? Because it was done in an insulting way. That's the other part that really drives me crazy about right. a lot of public um, personalities, right? In the right. way that they, when it's come with such a bias, yeah. 
that once again, and you and I have talked ad nauseum about the idea that we tend to say that it's not just your points I disagree with. I think you're a bad person, so I start to insult you, right? right? This whole idea of, well, all liberals are, and then you say something insulting, or all conservatives are something insulting. Right. That kind of, of dialogue, that type of uh, rhetoric uh, really, really bothers me right. because – it, it comes from a place of meanness yeah. as opposed to a place that's seeking for truth. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to make one one comment on something that you were talking about earlier. You you were talking about, you know, the the Christians crying for religious freedom but yet restricting others. Yeah. I I think that if you cannot be mature enough and sort through and trust God enough to do what you said, which was have Christianity on an even playing field. Mhm then you might want to take my attack, right? So <laughs> if you can't be mature enough to take Pastor Brian's view, <laughs> you might want to take my view. Here, here's my view. My view is I want preferential treatment for Christianity. I want all of America to think Christianity is super important and constantly lean into that. I want all other religions that I believe that are not accurate, I want them to be quieted down. Now... That is not appropriate, right? Mm-hmm. So, well, I, I know mean, what I want. On like, some level, I want that too. But I, like, I just, I just, I know that it's like, not, yeah, it's not right. Like, it but just, that's my point. Yeah. That that we need to look at it, and and of course we do agree on this. But we need to look at it and go, what do I want? Okay, yeah, but is that appropriate? Yeah. No. Okay, so when does our maturity come in and say, wow, I'm being very inconsistent. I'm right. being very hypocritical. Right. Like, when does all that other stuff play in? I know what you want in your heart, but at least call it as yeah. extraordinary bias. Yeah. Yeah. See, no, that, I was going to say, that's exactly it. Like, let's at least call it what it is. That's it. Like, let's not call it religious freedom because it's not. It's not. It is, like, it is laughably ridiculous to call it that. That's not what you want. You if, want preferential yes. treatment for Christians. You are allowed to want that. Yes, but... <laughs> you got to have some balances on that bias because yeah. if you cannot make the same argument for Islam or for a, for a Buddhism yeah. or Hinduism or whatever faith there is in the world, if you can't make that same argument as you are for Christianity in terms of American freedoms, yeah. you, you're on shaky ground. You, you can't do that. Right. And, and I think that's what agitates you and I, which is because – you know, you and I are so based on trying to figure out what does God want? What does God want? What does God want? As opposed to how do I win an argument? How do I win an argument? How does my team advance? Because I feel like if our team advances to the detriment of truth, if our team, let's say, uh, like, for example, I was listening to somebody talk the other day about the era in our history of the world when Constantine made Christianity the world religion kind of, yep. uh, and what damage that did. Well, hmm. our team advanced, right? Like if you want to say the Christian little flag, I mean, it was <laughs> everywhere. It was in everybody's windows. All fishes were on everybody's chariots <laughs> everybody's or whatever donkeys they were. or whatever they were yeah. driving. I don't know. Our team won, but at what cost? Oh. The cost was so extraordinary. And as a matter of fact, I don't believe that we were more of a God-worshipping, God-loving world per se. Yeah. than we were any other time. But our team advanced. So I think that for you and I, we're always looking through those lenses of saying, it's not just to win today. Yeah. That's not the goal. Yeah. It, it's a bigger picture. So I'm getting it's, us off the off the. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get us even further off the conversation yes. just for a second, and, and, and then we'll come back. I, I think that um, 
something I see a lot, especially as we're reacting to to the challenges in society and, and, and certainly tragedies in society, like we saw, saw this last week with the shooting and everything else, is, is I see a lot of Christians talking about, well, this is all happening because God's not in schools. We need to get God back in schools. And, and here's the thing. I agree with that, but not in the way that they're saying it. They, oh, we need prayer in schools. We need all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, let's go over to Europe and find out how state-sponsored religion is going. It's yeah. not going well. It's not going well. The, the, the idea that somehow a, a state-sponsored religious ritual is going to transform hearts is just crazy. It's just, it's false in my, in my view. Now, do I want quote unquote God back in schools? Heck yes. How do I want that happening? I want that, uh, happening because the local church is strengthening families and young people are being raised up to go and reach their, uh, to go and reach their friends. I want young people bathed in prayer going into their schools. I mean, prayer is perfectly allowed in schools. You just can't be led by a staff member. Uh, I want kids who are looking at their schools through the lens of what is the Holy Spirit doing in my midst. That's where we need it. But it's when we say, I don't even know, why did I even bring this up? I don't even know how I got on this point. But when it's just this idea of, oh, we need this thing to happen from like a state-sponsored level in order for the problems in society to be solved, in a sense, that's sort of abdicating our responsibility, which is ironic in a number of different ways. But it's not helpful. And I think it's ignoring the fact that as Christians, we're about heart transformation. And that happens person to person, not by sort of institutional, especially secular institutional Overreach. I don't know. No, I no, I completely agree with you. Well, and that's the take that Jesus went right. Yep. He went for a revolution of the heart. So when you talk about wanting prayers back in schools, there's two different ways we can go with that. One of them, of which uh, I guess both of them that I'm going to talk about, I obviously agree with. But the first one is we need to get prayers back in homes. Yep. Um, I don't think that our schools are the ones carrying our kids. And, and homes can't fix every child. There's plenty of Christian homes that are solid that the children do not follow the Lord. Yeah. So we need to get prayers back in hearts, right? So mm-hmm. it, it has to be an internal ownership issue. Yeah. Then it leads into the homes. Then the kids are leading the prayers, and there's no problem against that. Right. Um, so in one sense, I agree with that. Now, here's what I think people are trying to say when they say we need to get prayer back in schools, not thinking through institutionalized religion, right? Mm-hmm. I think they're just, with their hearts, they're crying out for something. And I agree with it as well, and I think you would too. What they're yeah. crying for is a Christianity-supported culture. They're wanting a boost to say, I want my child inputted in from all different directions to have a high value for God and Christian principles. Yes. So, for example, I'm teaching it at home. They go to school. They actually have a prayer time that actually has a possible evangelistic outreach Mm -hmm. to some of the kids that are coming from non-Christian homes, Mm -hmm. how beautiful would it be to have a culture that, like many, many years ago, there was an assumption you would go to church on Sunday, so we're all going to close down our stores. Even if you're not a believer, there was an opening for you. Mm -hmm. If you went and asked somebody, what are you doing on Sunday, they would never be, I'm going to work. How fun and wonderful to operate as a Christian in a Christian-supporting culture. I think that's what they're longing for, but I don't think they're thinking through the ramifications. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I agree with all that and would would obviously support that. So now that both of us have equally contributed to getting us way off track, let's get back to the, to the subject at hand. Um, 
The incident I referenced at the top of the show is not an isolated incident. This seems to happen all the time where public figures are told, you shouldn't be talking about this. I remember this this was a powerful one. I, I'm going to be a little fuzzy on the details because it was a few years ago. But there was... Um, and it's another sports reference. I mean, big surprise. But a a the uh, Ohio State college football team won a national championship, and their quarterback was a young man named Cardell Jones. And shortly after their they won their national championship, uh, Cardell Jones went on Twitter and was tweeting about something. I honest to goodness do not remember what he had to say, but it was it was somewhat controversial and had to do with some sort of social issue. I could not tell you what it was. And somebody tweeted back at him saying. You should keep your mouth shut about this and stay focused on winning us another national championship. To which Jones replied with sort of the kind of, uh, in terms of written language, sort of what you'd see like the way that, like if you ever read The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, the way that Jim's character was written, kind of this sort of jive type language. I don't want to use the wrong word, but you know, kind of overly slang and sort of showing himself to be uneducated. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't, you know, like that, that kind of a thing, sort of mocking that perspective. Yes. These stories, sadly, are a dime a dozen. What does it say about just sort of what's going on culturally and the way that we relate to ideas we don't like that so often people are trying to shut other people down instead of engaging what they have to say? I, 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 that's the that's the one thing that I think that hurts our hearts, right? Which is this idea of you are only useful to me insofar as you agree with me. Once you step outside those boundaries, you are no longer useful to me. You become a hindrance. This idea, and that's of course why Cordell responded like that, right? right. Which was this idea of boy, go get me another what championship? Is yeah. that what you? And don't cause any problems on the way. And that's, you know, of course, we got a lot of heat from the uh, Take a Knee yeah. uh, podcast. We actually had people really respond negatively to us uh-huh. because it was the idea of, uh, well, I don't like it that way. Don't ruin my football. Don't don't cause any problems. Don't mess with don't mess with this. Don't mess with that. This isn't your place. You should just you're 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 a, a sports guy. Yeah. Okay. We're all integrated, multi-functioning human beings now. Mm-hmm. You may have some concerns with the engagement of the flag and mm-hmm. the national anthem and all these different things, which we talked about in that podcast. We're not going to go backwards. Yeah. You're allowed to have an opinion about that and say, I totally don't agree, yep. or I don't think this was the appropriate platform. Here's the problem with what is an appropriate versus inappropriate platform. Mm-hmm. To those that disagree, no platform is appropriate. Correct. And that is the part that I think that is so unfair, hypocritical, and biased, is the idea there's never a good time if you're going to speak out. Because when are you ever going to hear an Olympian except when they're doing Olympic stuff? Nobody cares. Nobody's asking them about any other opinions. So if they do have an opinion, they're going to share it, right? Because we are not allowing people to simply be athletes. We're asking them to be public figures. We are paying them money that means they're not simply, I'll tell you what, there's an awful lot of talented guys playing basketball down at the YMCA. Mm -hmm. They are not making millions of dollars. So don't tell me they're getting paid for playing basketball. Mm -hmm. People don't get paid for playing basketball. They get paid for being a public figure and generating revenue. That's what they're being paid for. So when we have created those types of things, 
you're giving them and asking them. Here's the other part. People do not realize how many interviews everybody's doing. (laughs) You are so overwhelmed (laughs) by interviews as a public star that you're being asked about everything. You're being put into every scenario. You're being asked by every different type of magazine, every different type of newspaper, every different type of website, every different type of perspective. You're constantly inundated. And then someone says, shut up and play basketball. My whole life as a basketball player is not about basketball. And that's that part where everybody wants to have the world fit into their little tiny narrative. Well, I only use you for basketball. Yeah, but the rest of the world doesn't, and they're watching too. You're not the only one I'm talking to. Right. And, and, And that's so important to recognize. And it's easy to recognize when somebody is speaking about issues that we think are important to us. And you referenced it earlier and we talked about it that so often we, when, when somebody speaks up about an issue that we agree with, um, we say they're heroes. We say they're courageous. Tim Tebow, he's courageous. And I agree, he is courageous. And, and like, I love Tim Tebow. I think he's a fantastic role model. Seems like he completely walks the talk and, and all that stuff. So we say, man, that's, that's heroic. It's a lot of courage. But when it's an issue we don't agree with, we say, oh, it's not the place and, and all of this stuff. And, and we reference this back on episode nine in the podcast you alluded to that the question then becomes, where is the spot that I talk about this big issue? Like, where am I allowed to talk about you know, and and that just—I mean—that lays aside the whole issue of even for the African American community, they feel like they're asking the question: Okay, we can't protest in the streets. Nope. We can't protest at our jobs. Nope. Where? Where can we? Where can we protest? Can't protest you know? in sports. And, can't protest on and, TV. And and on some level, those that are criticizing them just have to be honest about the fact that they don't like the message. So yeah. they're never going to be okay with it being expressed. And at the end of the day, we have to have the maturity to say, I don't like that message. Yep. We can even say, I wish that message wasn't being expressed. Yes. I wish that people that go on television as completely in the tank, in the can, partisan pundits, I wish they were all off the air. That's my personal opinion. They are some of the most devastating and toxic voices in our culture. Right, left, you name it. I just think they are an absolute drag on our civilization. I could not overstate my dislike of them enough. I 100% defend their right to do what they do. 100%. You have to. You have to. You have to. Especially from an American standpoint where we value free speech. And I think from a Christian standpoint where we value honesty and integrity and authenticity and telling the truth. You have to. So I can say to you, hey, Lance, I don't think it's wise to engage with certain personalities and ideas because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Not be, you know, and not just because I don't like them, but because they're not telling the truth or you know, whatever right. the case may be. But it's wrong of me to say well, they just need to shut up and shouldn't be allowed to do what they do. That that's a line to me. Christians cannot be crossing. Well, okay, so let's let's um, parlay this a little bit forward. So um, there were there was a horrific shooting in Parkland, Florida. Yeah. Um, Seventeen students lost their lives. Many others were wounded. I think the majority of school was scarred emotionally, right? So I oh, think yeah. that we don't count that cost, right? Um, and then a bunch of the students have now come out and begun to talk about gun control. Yep. And this is one of those things. So and the reason why I bring this up is in a future podcast, you and I are going to debate the issues of gun control. Yep. Where um, I am uh, more pro-gun, you're more anti-gun. Mm-hmm. And so for me, being a more pro-gun ownership person... Mm-hmm. 
how, what is my reaction to these young people who just came through a trauma mm-hmm. now getting on um, their their um, stand when they're putting mics in front of their face and having, you know, these um, press conferences yep. and not just talking about their experience, but talking about gun legislation and gun control and stuff like that. Right. Because yep. what if it doesn't agree with my opinion? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do with that? Yeah. Do I say shut up and mourn? Yeah. I mean, is that is that really what I'm going to do now? I have the only ones I happen to hear. I, I happen to agree with them, and I thought there was a lot of wonderful points that they're bringing out. That's not mm. the point. Yeah, the point is, let's say it is they were heading down a road I didn't like. Right. But isn't there a place where I would say, listen, they're now given a moment of time by society saying, "You just went through this. What do you think?" Mm-hmm. And they went, "Well, I'll tell you what I think." Not just do I think for yesterday and today, but I think in a bigger way because I'm trying to think collectively for our society and I have a few thoughts. Mm -hmm. I think that is absolutely appropriate, whether it goes in accordance with my views or not in accordance with my views. Now, I will tell you emotionally the parts that that make me a little frustrated, Mm -hmm. and this will happen no matter what side, is when other people take advantage of a situation that they're trying to utilize almost like an ambulance chaser, right? Yep. They come in and they go, we've always made this point. Now we finally have uh, an emotional trauma to try to take advantage of. And then they start utilizing the kids. Now that would really, really bother me no matter what the issue is. 100% agree. Yeah. And, and regardless of whether or not you agree with the perspective, that to me is, I mean, it's it's contrived, it's disrespectful, it's, it's wrong regardless and it and I, happens on all sides it, it, oh no question about it it yeah. happens on all on all sides i think that's i think that's right um I, but i think the point about the these these young people is is extremely important and as you can imagine i mean i resonate a lot with what they have to say and i think that what they have to say is really important right now i might cringe a little if students were getting up and were expressing you know oh hey it's a mistake to talk about uh guns guns aren't the issue you know whatever i i i, I would disagree with that perspective but again I would 100% defend their right to say what they had to say and express their view, especially given the situation that they're in. Um, my Now, how much I like what they have to say, much like with you, much like with anybody, is going to vary tremendously Absolutely. based on my level of agreement. But my defense of their right to say it is it, unwavering. 100% unwavering. As long as it's them, they're not, they're not being propped up by... Now, they could be propped up by an organization I would agree with completely and I'd say that's wrong. It's just it's just not right. It's it's exploiting a tragedy in my opinion. But if it's them sharing what is their heart, trying to respond in a in a healthy and productive way, whether or not I agree with their exact perspective, fully defend their right to do it. And that's and that's the thing. I think you can respect a system and not like how it's being utilized. Yeah. So who is the guy that did religious what is it? Religious? Bill Maher. Bill Maher. Yeah, religious, I think so. Yeah. So Bill Maher is on the left, right? Um, he drives me crazy. <laughs> I have a real, real problem with him. Yeah. Um, and yet, the idea that there is opposite views, and it's not like I, I, I don't watch him, so I don't know mm-hmm. how many I agree with or disagree with. At mm-hmm. some point, I got so frustrated by him, <laughs> I can't even watch him anymore. Yeah. But, but my point is, I think it is important for voices other than my view 
to mm-hmm. also be given a freedom to talk. Yeah. Now, am I sad that he has such an anti-Christian view or mm-hmm. such an anti-religious view and that he's influencing people? Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. Yeah. I'm sad about that. Sure. I am I am pro-system. I'm sad about how the system is being utilized by Bill Maher yeah. because I believe that it's less healthy. Now, the system, however, for it to be healthy and work has to have competing views. Right. That's how it works. Yeah. No, and even <laughs> and even then, I would say, and I agree with you, I'm not a Bill Maher fan either, and my, my criticism of him would not be, it, it, w- it wouldn't even be so much that he's expressing ideas that are counter to my own from a faith perspective. I mean, the political stuff, I don't know, whatever. I, I'm not familiar enough with him to, to comment. I know he's super liberal, but whatever. Uh, it's not even that he's expressing an idea I don't like. It's that his arguments are bad. Like, I've watched a fair amount of Religious. I've heard him sort of riff on... I mean, it is complete red meat for people that just want to hate on religion. And it is the arguments are just bad. They are weak. They are not good arguments. Uh, and that's what I think... I mean, of course, I don't like his his goal, what he's trying to accomplish. Sure. I, I'm against the project entirely. Yes. But also, I just want to say, listen, it's not just that I think the project is bad. I think you're going about it in a really poor way. But sure. anyway, so I want to move us on here a little bit. Take this from from public figures, because uh, there are a million examples of those, to, to you and me and to kind of some things that we've experienced. We entitled the episode Shut Up and Preach, which yeah. is meant to be a little bit of a play on, the, on my ability to over-explain things. Anyway... How have you experienced this sort of thing in your life and in your ministry? Have you had situations where people have told you, hey, pastor, you shouldn't talk about these things because you're a pastor or, you know, anything or anything along those lines? Yeah, I think that um, ironically, um, a lot of the resistance has been speaking on religious topics. (laughs) Uh, And what it means is, is I will speak on a religious topic, but it's not the one that somebody wants me to talk about. And so they say, you need to get back to the gospel. Hmm. However, if I if I speak to anything that they agree with, man, it's so good, Pastor, you're finally talking about some issues. Yep. Right. So everything is so biased. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm dealing with it. I've dealt with it since I ever began to counsel or be known as a Christian. So as a child, yep. right? So I've been dealing with this for a really, really long time, perhaps 40 years. And so... The idea of, I I think that the pulpit is a very unusual place, right? So it's a very unusual place um, for a variety of reasons. One of them is that I believe that we need to keep the main thing the main thing. Yep. I think that we and, and we at Bridgeway have made extraordinary efforts to say that we want to lead by rooting up core issues and bringing change through revolution of hearts and concepts. Kind of taking that Paul the Apostle who didn't directly condemn slavery, but the book of Philemon got in there where he kind of did condemn slavery. He spoke about it and said, hey, listen, you do have this right. I'm telling you there's a better way. Uh, Where you have Jesus who's saying, listen, I'm not going to directly go against slavery. I'm going to teach all the principles by which anti-slavery will be founded. And I'm going to say, if you have hatred for your brother, if you abuse another brother, if you have, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden he leads this massive revolution that unhinges and roots out slavery. So I've always taken that impression uh, or that approach, excuse me, at Bridgeway. But what it does, it means that we have to stay on the core things. Now, here's where the rub is. 
I also believe that the church should be culture-shaping, obviously the podcast engaging <laughs> culture that we're a part of, but I believe that it should be culture-shaping from the pulpit of steering even in cultural issues. And so the way that I divide that out is that I tend to avoid politics and lean into issues. Mm -hmm. Some people cannot see the difference between those two. Right. So they'll call it an issue if they agree with it. They'll call it politics if they disagree with it. Right? Right. See, that's a really important point. I, and I just want to, for a yeah. quick second, pause you to camp on that because I think our, our, I want our listeners to, to understand that, is that there is a difference between politics and issues. And if we have attached those things in our minds, that is going to, in my opinion, negatively affect our ability to truly understand God's heart. That if I'm coming at an issue saying I need to adopt the stance that is in line with my political party or my political views, that is going to be a hindrance for you in truly understanding God's heart. And even if you end up with, the, with, with a perspective that we might agree with, or, or that I should say that, that, God's, that is in line with God's heart, you might even come at it kind of for the wrong reasons, which can be challenging. So I think separating politics and issues is a huge deal. Go on. Yeah, and I think that I, I don't really feel it's appropriate for the church to endorse certain candidates and to um, try to forward an agenda that way because of the nuance of the church being a collective of believers. Yeah. I have no problem with the idea of believers individually coming together and lobbying for something. I don't have a problem with that. Sure. In their own lives, outside In their the own church. lives, yep. right. But once again, they're, they're coalescing together. That becomes a church. I understand the concept. But I'm saying the local church, yeah. the little C church versus the big C. The big C church is any Christians. Little C church is what are we doing within Bridgeway? What are we doing within the local church? Yeah. I, I think it is inappropriate to try to use leverage um, of a a body like that to um, try to advance a political agenda, Agreed. all right? Agreed. So uh, you and I are very similar to that. Yeah. But I believe very strongly that the church is to speak into issues and breathe in the wisdom of God. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we should be impacting culture. I believe that we should be rising up. I believe that we should be collectively as a group bringing change into society. Mm -hmm. um, and so people, it, it's very hard to see from the outside. Like it all makes sense in my head. It all makes sense in your head. When other people see it happening, they're having a hard time delineating the lines sometimes. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it, it gets back to something we've said so many times throughout the, throughout this episode. It's so hard because if you want to be culture shaping, if you're saying stuff that people like, they're going to applaud you for it. Absolutely. If you're saying stuff that challenges their point of view, for too many of us, and, and man, I try hard to not not be like this, and I, you know, I probably still am in some ways, but for too many of us, it doesn't become, man, what I'm hearing is challenging me. I need to reevaluate what I think. Instead, it's, oh, they're being political. Or, oh, they must be this, they must be that, they must be Dismissive. liberal, they must be conservative. And, oh, the, you know, pastor, you shouldn't be talking about that. You know, they shouldn't be, shouldn't be doing that. And, and I just, I don't get that. I don't have a category for that in my mind where I would say, because I'm being challenged on an issue, that my reaction is simply going to be, no, stop, you shouldn't talk about that. I, I don't know what to do with that. I think it's so unhealthy. Well, you and I tend to pursue we tend to go towards an aggressive 
pursuit of truth versus a defensive point of view, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? So if you're if you're living a defensive way, you're trying to say, no, 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 don't anybody rock that. Yeah. Don't rock the boat. If you're looking for a pursuit of truth, you have to get out of the boat sometimes. Yep. And you're walking in places that you're drowning. Yeah. You know, and, and it's this idea of we're trying to aggressively find the heart of God as yeah. opposed to saying, I've already found the heart of God. Now I'm building walls around it. Yeah. Don't anybody say anything different. Yeah. Right. But that is yeah. unfortunate. We're the minority. Yeah. Or even even I've attached the heart of God so deeply to a perspective politically, for example, yes. which I mean, my goodness, go back and read Andy Crouch's book, Culture Making, and his chapter on the formation of the religious right. I mean, go to other parts of our country where we're kind of the religious left is a little bit more prominent. And my goodness, it is as genius as it is evil. Sort of the, the way that these different political movements have gone about targeting Christians to get them to believe that there that, that Christianity just is this agenda, that they're one and the same. And are there points of overlap? Of course there are, but man, it, there are major points of disagreement. And, and when we're coming to our faith through the lens of, oh, it matches perfectly with this. Frankly, when we come at our faith through the lens of, oh, well, there are just two ways of thinking about an issue. I mean, you and I talk all the time about the need for nuance and the need to kind of get into the nitty gritty of stuff. And, and when we're coming at something saying, okay, you're either this or you're that, or if you're not this, you must be that. I just don't think you can get anywhere in developing, You're lose a, every in, time. In developing a nuanced understanding of, of these issues that just that matter so much and that I think they're not the gospel, but they're so central to Christian ethics and, and how we live as Christ followers in this age that, that if we miss that, we've really missed something important. And. You know, it almost like this whole this podcast has now turned into how to sort politics. <laughs> um, but but I do want to say this because I don't think necessarily we have one design where we're only going to talk about you know politics and stuff like that. Right. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. But but here's the deal. Let's say that you believe a, a variety of issues. Like you've sat down and said there are issues in society, and here's how I feel that God's heart is on them. Yeah. Which I believe is the way to approach it. Um, that you would look and you say, how do I feel about abortion versus pro-life? How do I feel about the economy? Mm -hmm. How do I feel about immigration? Yep. How do I feel about, right? And, and you're sorting these things out, right? I think that when you sort those out, that you have to have that newspaper open, and then you have the Bible next to it. Yeah. What did God say about that? That's yeah. how all my issues are sorted. Yeah. And as Christians, I don't see another way. Mm -hmm. um, you want to know God's heart. Yeah, You can't turn on the news anymore until you understand God's heart. So once you have that laid I would say out, you couldn't turn on the news ever, but go on. Oh, I, I was thinking <laughs> yeah. of uh, listening to commentary yeah, okay. Got it. on right. those go that on. are shaping your opinion. That's right. actually what I meant. Okay. Good. So when I said have the newspaper open, that is the news. Got so, okay. So what I was saying is that once you have those laid out, you can then say, I believe God's heart is on the is in these areas. Mm -hmm. Is there a current political candidate that does advance this yeah. more often than not? Yeah. I would lean into voting for that candidate. Sure. That is independent of your party. Mm -hmm. Because once again, what you're gonna find is I would challenge anyone to go head to head with me on the Bible, right? <laughs> Which first of all is going to be a bad idea for them. Challenge <laughs> head to head on the Bible and you show me one political party that from top to the bottom is nails in terms of scripture. 
Yeah, it doesn't exist. As a whole. Yeah. Okay, so if that is the case, then whole parties cannot be automatically backed. They have to be issues and individual candidates. Yep. There is no perfect candidate. Yep. You're going to have a mixture. Yep. Because I'll tell you, it may be so that Paul, the apostle, would have led one way, and Peter may have led another way. Okay? Yeah. They're both good dudes. They're both who God put in charge. They do things differently. Yeah. Okay. But I think there's a different way to develop our political ideals and that is through the lens of Christianity and the and the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's good. And I think so, the Peter Paul example is a good one. So, so here's a here's a question for you. And this, yeah. I like, I'm sort of in my head trying to get us away from. And I, I think those comments are really helpful. But I think as we continue on and have a few more minutes in the podcast, I, I it's so hard because I want to get away from being overtly political, but it's just these issues. And because in my mind, even. I think of these issues as social and moral issues. I agree. Uh, I had somebody say to me recently, a good friend of mine, they said, man, I, I know you feel frustrated that you feel like you can't talk more about political issues. And I said, no. No. I don't care about political issues. Uh, I care about these social and moral issues that I feel like our faith speaks into. And yeah, yes. I do wish I could talk about those without people accusing me of being political. Um, so anyway, I just, I'm acknowledging that tension, I guess yes. is all I'm trying to do. Um, you and I, you know about this. A long time ago... A guy sent me an email, some random person, really courageous, anonymous individual, uh, telling me uh, that as a pastor, I should shut my pie hole yeah. about a particular issue, yeah. an issue that I had addressed only on my private, personal social media pages. Right. Nothing to do with Bridgeway, nothing on the stage, nothing, nothing, zero. Yes. I mean, I, I have a pretty hard line in dividing those two things in my life, like, and this may come as a surprise. I am a human being apart from this. Um, but what would you say to somebody? Maybe you've gotten emails like that. Oh, what yeah. would you say to somebody who would say, hey, you're a pastor. In your personal life, you shouldn't talk about these issues. And then here's the second part of the question. Are there either issues or areas where you as a pastor should not talk about certain issues? Yeah. So first of all, it has happened to me. Second of all, it's the exact same thing as shut up and dribble, yeah. right? I mean, it's a, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's shut up and be what I want you to be in my life, which is you're supposed to fill a very narrow role of what pastor means to me. Yep. Because here's what's ironic about what that person just said. Indeed, what I heard you say is they said, shut your pie hole, pastor. The phrase pastor actually means shepherd. Mm -hmm. It means guide. Mm -hmm. It means holistically guide my life in every different direction. Mm -hmm. It means speak into issues in my life. It means challenge my perspective. Yeah. So the idea <laughs> anyone would use the phrase pastor and then limit their influence over their lives is absolutely absurd. By definition, I'm supposed to get in your business. That's there you go. what a pastor does. All right. Praise the Lord. Now, having said that, is there areas that we should not? Now, I think that um, we're, we have to tread lightly because uh, I don't know if there's anything really off limits per se, because if you're always trying to demonstrate the heart of God, I think God is involved in every aspect of society. So I don't mm -hmm. think that there's anything off limits. I will say where we need to be careful of utilizing our given authority mm -hmm. to advance a personal cause, hmm. that is that is where you start going, whoa, 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 hold on. Now you're starting to abuse an authority if yeah. it is for personal gain. Now, yeah. 
But here's the other areas we need to walk walk uh, gently on, and that is there are areas of life that you really can look at it two different ways, mm-hmm. and one way you see as more beneficial to you. Mm-hmm. So let's take economics. Mm-hmm. Let's say, for example, we get into, you and I get into a debate on tax mm-hmm. policy. I don't believe that God's word speaks into all the areas of tax reform. Mm-hmm. I think that it talks about how to care for people and certain things about stewardship. I do think it does It does speak to it. So I don't think it's off limits. Right. But here's the problem. Let's say there are two different economic systems you can run in a nation. And you and I are going head to head. Well, I use my authority to trump your ideas. I, I would still use that. <laughs> oh! okay. The word still exists. The it's okay. Still exists. That that I utilize my authority to advance my platform on an issue that's not a moral or ethical or anything. It's just mm-hmm. simply a viewpoint. Yeah. Um, if I am speaking and I'm, let's say, I'm also harming another company. Mm-hmm. I say, uh, as a, as a pastor, I'm going to speak that. Coke is so much less than Pepsi. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I start shaming and harming a, a company right. because I happen to like Pepsi better. Do you understand what I'm saying? Once right. you start operating into the, I prefer this, mm-hmm. but God has not spoken on this, I think you got to walk lightly. Mm-hmm. It does not mean you can't talk about it. Yeah. It just means be careful. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I think with that, it's 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 the, the, the question, well, there's a few angles here. The question of, okay, you know, ripping this out of context, so forgive me, but everything is lawful, not everything is profitable. There is an extent to which we have to ask the question, is this helpful? Um, my heart, for better or worse, is often for those who look to evangelical Christianity and see the way that it operates in the public space and say, that's ugly. Yes. What I'm seeing is ugly. My heart is for those people because there is a lot of ugliness in evangelical Christianity, in my opinion, but there's a lot of beauty to it as well. Absolutely, there, the, the beauty is is far more than 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 whatever ugliness is there. So, so my heart is for those who might be disenfranchised by sort of evangelicalism as kind of a socio political movement, and I want to help them see. Well, actually, this is what the gospel has to say to immigrants. This is what the gospel has to say to to the poor. This is what the gospel has to say to those who are uh, without health care. This is what you know, and not even the gospel. This is the heart of God. I, I, that's a, a poor use of. To use the heart of God, and and with that, I have a strong desire to 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 reach those who are far from God and say, you know what, these things you care about a lot, God actually cares about them too. And there's almost that part of me that wishes I could sort of reach those people without kind of bothering the Christians that are irritated by what I have to say, because I'm not trying to reach them, and I'm not trying to pick a fight with them. And I sort of, as a principle, have kind of decided, like I'm just not going to argue with people on the internet, for example. Like I'm just not going to do it. Like sorry, it's just not going to happen. Um, so my heart is for those sorts of folks, but in my mind, I always have to balance how can I kind of speak prophetically into issues, especially issues where I feel like kind of, kind of our Christian niche is, is maybe drifting off course or is maybe being influenced by things other than, other than God. But how can I do that one in a way that is helpful for everybody? Because I can't separate that just doesn't exist. Two, in a way that is is humble and kind. Three, in a way that is focused on the truth of God and then God's heart for people. And then from that place, I just need to use wisdom to determine, okay, 
is the good that is going to come from this worth the blowback? Because here, here's what I want to make sure that I'm not saying. I'm not saying that words don't have consequences. That words that I use in my private life, I would completely push back against someone that would say, you're a pastor, so in your private life, you shouldn't be talking about these things. Unless I'm like randomly like going against basic Christian doctrine or something, in which case that's a bigger issue. I would completely push back against people who would, who would say that. However, that doesn't mean there shouldn't be consequences. Somebody can get mad at me because of something I say in my private life. That's fine. They, they are, I have to be willing or I have to acknowledge that that reality is there. So I don't really have a, and I have to just ask myself, okay, is the good that is going to come from this worth the blowback? And I, you know, frankly, I've just realized throughout my, as I, you know, as I get older, I, I don't want to engage the blowback as much, which I wrestle with that. Cause I'm like, man, I feel like there's a lot of good I can do if I would just be willing to put up with the nonsense that, that comes with it a little bit better. So, so that's that ultimately it's, is the good that's going to be done. Is it going to supersede the bad? And then also, am I being intellectually honest? Like that is such a big deal to me. If the script was flipped on this issue, would I feel like, okay, the other side, I don't agree with them, but they're being fair. I don't agree with them, but they're being fair. If I can't say that, I'm not going to make a, make a, a comment. And then, oh man, I had my last point and I forgot it. And, oh, here we go. I think, I do think that as a pastor, there are environments where it is inappropriate to talk about certain issues. We, part of the reason this podcast exists is because you and I, as, as Christians, as men, as pastors, we want to have an environment to talk through issues from a Christian perspective that for the most part, we don't feel belong in a worship service, right? That we shouldn't be discussing a lot of these issues in the worship service, because as you alluded to earlier, we got to keep the main thing, the main thing. It's not the point. So we need to be very careful to protect the worship service, to focus on the gospel, to focus on redemption through Jesus Christ, to talk about culture and how Christianity influences culture in a kind of a wide net sort of way that a lot of these types of issues uh, that could be potentially divisive, in my opinion, the worship service is not the place to address them. And certainly you could go to the extreme. I mean, I, you know, I don't think a pastor should ever get up and tell people, Hey, on this proposition, this is how you should vote. I don't think, I mean, this happens all the time, but I don't think on all sides, but I don't think churches should ever be hosting political candidates, certainly not on the weekends. I mean, my goodness. Um, so I think we need to be careful about in the church environment. There is, there are a lot of issues that are inappropriate, but I think that in our private lives as human beings who are trying to do good in the world, who are trying to reflect the heart of God to the world, there is significantly more latitude. Uh, and in those cases, I think it's very unhelpful when, when people want to say, not, I disagree with you, not I'm engaging with your argument and here's my counter argument. But when they're just saying, Hey, you should shut up about this. That just, that, it irritates me, frankly. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like Jesus. So uh, for me, this podcast is, uh, fulfills a slightly different, uh, niche for me and, and what it does for me is one of the reasons I don't talk about certain issues from the pulpit is not necessarily that I don't believe they belong there it's that it is an improper medium to get across the point appropriately mm, that's good. so for example I do believe that I'm going to talk about racism mm -hmm. from the pulpit yeah. but when I do the 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 pulpit and the amount of time that we allow there, and the format that we utilize, and the captive audience that we demand there, makes it so awkward and it inflames divisiveness, mm. and you can only start a conversation. 
You can't even... I feel like here, we create a different space where someone opts to listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. They actually select it out. They go, oh, I would like to know about that. Okay, that's a different listening ear than I just brought my my aunt who doesn't believe in Jesus and she's getting blasted from the stage. Um, the other thing is it allows pause and thoughtfulness and sorting in this environment yeah. that you cannot do from up there. Up yeah. there is much more, the pulpit is much more delivery. Mm-hmm. It is not for debate. It is yeah. not for conversation. It is not pushback. You understand what I'm saying? So I feel that the Engaging Culture podcast gives us a more appropriate venue more for how to deliver information as opposed to what the information is, Yeah, if no, that makes any sense. No, I think that's a good point. It's funny. I, I think a lot of times in, in preaching, when I'll, I'll be reflecting on before I go up to preach, okay, I want to say this and this and this and this, and and there are times where I will cut something, and not not even a controversial thing, just something, where I'll just, as I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking of you know my life as a sermon listener, I've listened to more sermons than I've preached, right? and I think to myself, okay, if I say this, I think there is a better than... <laughs> better than I'm comfortable with, chance, that what is heard will not be what I'm trying to say. Yes. So because of that, and again, it doesn't need to be controversial. In fact, it's usually not. Because of that, this isn't the right medium. That maybe a, a, a personal conversation or even a podcast like this where it's like kind of sort of you and I are having a conversation with microphones in our face, that that's a more, that's a way where you're able to, oh, wait, well, what do you mean by that? Or, oh, wait, well, let me clarify. Or, wait, Absolutely. hey, I don't know if I agree with that. And that's that's true. So And, and that simply cannot happen from the pulpit. Yeah. So, okay, last question. Um, and then we're going to we're gonna wrap up. We're, we're way over time here. Uh, here's, here's my last question for you, Lance. We as a church are in the middle of the year of wisdom and, and you and pastor Parnell and myself, when we gathered to kind of plan 2018 as our church, we all sort of resonated around this idea of we need to be a church that's able to think through complex and challenging issues. How does what we've talked about today relate to that in terms of kind of your heart for our church in, in how we would be affected and how we would kind of grow up together as a result of going through this year where the, where the focus is on wisdom. Uh, it's directly related that the engaging culture podcast really was birthed in your and my heart from the very same spirit that the year was, was started, which is we need to train Christians to be critical thinkers Mm -hmm. for themselves, to come up with solid biblical arguments for why they believe what they believe, to blow things apart and say, let's take them all apart, quit assuming that you're going to take things as a whole stereotypical group, break them into nuance, look at the gray, not just black and white. Let's pull all these pieces apart and say, there's another 3,000 ways to look at this. That very same spirit is what we felt like the Holy Spirit said, man, people have to have these skill sets in order to navigate their world appropriately for Christ and have any impact as salt and light in this world. So for me, this whole thing about the year of wisdom is blowing up assumptions and taking a fresh look at it. Mm -hmm. It is walking into the uncomfortable. It is the agitation towards change. Mm -hmm. It is the, I know you've always thought this, Look at it again. Look mm-hmm. at it again. Look at it again. It, it, so that whole attitude is the year of wisdom, flipping things upside down, and it's all the same stuff that Jesus did all the time. Yep. 
And there is so much beauty that comes from that tension, right? If we can learn oh, to so good. learn to live with it, that's great stuff. That's that's fantastic. So cool. All right. Well, thank you, Lance. Thank you, uh, all of you, for listening. Once again, we created this podcast to discuss issues that matter a lot. So we stirred up a lot in this episode, and, and we sure hope it was helpful for you. We'd love for you to maybe take what you've heard, discuss it with a friend, maybe talk it through with somebody that you don't agree with, or maybe just expose yourself to some ideas that run contrary to your own point of view and instead of wanting to shut them down maybe try to hear them and reason it out and uh, think through it if you like the podcast we'd love for you to go to itunes and leave a review want to thank our video director extraordinaire brennan stewart and audio engineer extraordinaire lucian hughes for their incredible work as always thanks to all of you for listening we'll see you in two weeks for the next episode of engaging culture thank you for listening to engaging culture a podcast by bridgeway christian church If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.